0: I'm Mike Gorman and you're listening to the Celtics Pod podcast for Celtics Blog. Here's your host, Adam Taylor. What's going on everybody? Happy Wednesday. If you're watching live on Facebook, happy Tuesday. I hope everybody's good. I hope we've all recovered from that Philadelphia 76ers game. A little bit of change of pace today. No Will with me today. Will's off traveling the world as usual. We all know what Will's like. He's the, he's the international man of mystery. So, who fills in but my homeboy, my other co-host on this show, my compadre, Mr. Greg Manakis. What's going on, Greg?
1: What's good? And for all the uh, Facebook people out there, I'm literally Will's best friend. We have the same brain. So if you just like are missing Will, I will do my best to fill in for you. We think like 95% of the same thoughts. Some people even say we sound alike. So, you know,
0: you're not missing much with me here. Maybe adding some. Yeah. I mean, I I wouldn't say you sound alike, but you definitely have very similar. Very similar outlook the game. Like I can I can see that. I can definitely see that. But the, the the Frankenstein he's Alive type of moment sometimes comes to me, man. Definitely. But I wanted to get into it today, man. I usually, you know, we have our back and forth and we see what's going on and stuff. But I just think that looking back at what's gone on for the last week, there's quite a few talking points to kind of hit on. Let's get um, into it yeah i think we start with the Sixers game i think that's where we start because that's the most recent it's the most relevant in everybody's mind i want to start with the biggest talking point which is the defense on joan and Bede. i just okay. want to see what you, like because that's the one like you know i've wrote about that twice today for two different outlets mm-hmm. um i've seen it everywhere i look on Celtics social media sites you know twitter or instagram facebook I've, I came into the day with one very specific opinion on it. And my opinion has changed throughout the day. And now I've kind of like consolidated where I stand. But I'm, And I'll go through that. But I'm really curious of where you stand on Embiid getting hot and how the Celtics played him.
1: Yeah, um I mean I rewatched the game this morning just to kind of get a feel like, you know, try to get the emotion out of it and just watch it very objectively. Um I think watching a game back like that is a very good exercise for people out there that just really want to get into just analyzing the game and um thinking thinking more with your head less with your heart you know as a fan that's very easy to just like feel the game as you're watching it right but when you go back and watch that game I actually didn't hate the way that they defended him um you know the 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 way that the Sixers are playing this year they're spreading the floor out with four shooters whether you can call Tobias Harris Matisse Thybul like shooters knockdown shooters is a is a debate but you know the the way that they're playing it's, it's difficult to double embed, especially when you just put the knockdown shooter, um, you know, making the entry pass. So Seth Curry made a lot of those entry passes. So you can't double down ball side. There's nobody in the strong side corner. Right. So that double, like where is that double going to come from? So. What they what I think that they should have done is just worked harder to get Embiid off of that uh, left block because he was just dominating from the left block down down the stretch. And they did send double teams, you know, smart double teamed him on that ridiculous step back that he hit. But from the beginning of the game, Embiid was just dominating from that left block. Right. So if you know that a guy's feeling it from that spot, you've got to do everything you can before he gets the ball to get him off of the spot in which he's feeling comfortable. But he's also seven feet tall and if he's hitting a has a hezzy hez pull up, like what can you do in the mid range, right? That's kind of what you want Embiid to do is to take that mid range shot. So, you know, that's kind of what I see as embiid's MVP shot is if he can just, you know, be seven feet tall, plant himself on that like left block, turn and face and hit a mid range jumper, like what can you really do? That's pretty much like the shot that we've wanted him to take over the years. And I thought freedom did a decent job throughout the game. He's just not a guy that's meant to play 40 minutes in a game, you know, and impede when, when he gets in, when he gets freedom in small doses, maybe freedom can kind of like me- mess him up a little bit with physicality. But when he gets used to freedom throughout those 40 minutes, um, there's diminishing returns, right on, on freedom's effectiveness on the court. Um, so that were my like initial takeaways is, we should have worked a lot harder to get the ball, to get him off of his spot on that left block and do everything we can on the front end so that we didn't have to double on the back end.
0: So I had very similar opinions. I think that one thing that I was really annoyed about on the first watch was the lack of help defense and just digs, you know, like you jump in a guy's way, you try and make him pick up the ball, then you get back to your man. Two seconds, Jalen Brown said they were looking at doing heavy digs. So, you know, three, three and a half seconds, maybe four Really jump on the guy, ball, 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 and then get out of there. Try and get him to pick that ball up and ideally get him to move that ball along. Uh, the first half of the game, there just wasn't any of that. It was very much one-on-one type of basketball. And I see a lot of people like, hey, you, we made Embiid beat us from the mid-range. That's cool. So until you go and look at the stats, right. So I went and looked, went on cleaning the glass, which obviously you can break down the shot locations to like around the rim. Short range, long mid-range, mid-range, blah, blah, blah. Embiid is shooting, it's only, a smaller, it's only a small difference. Embiid is shooting 41% from the mid-range. For reference, Jason Tatum is shooting 39% from the mid-range. Would you feel comfortable coming into a game if you thought the team were just going to limit JT to mid-range jumpers? You'd be like, yeah, JT will feast in the mid-range. Well, that's probably what Sixers fans were feeling about Embiid because Embiid's shooting 41% on 204 attempts. So um, I just like, I'm, I'm kind of, Will threw me off there a little bit. I appreciate you, Will. Um. So, uh, yeah, so, you know, you're asking Embiid to do the same as what you'd be asking Tatum to do. And you're just like, man, well, I wouldn't feel comfortable. I'd feel very comfortable if a team was asking Tatum to beat him from the mid-range. So maybe that was a little bit of a, a misconception. I'm like, oh, hey. And then you look at Embiid being asked to beat you with his passes. Well, Embiid's an improved passer this year as well. So I had a few takes there. But the one thing that struck me the most, I was very like, I felt like Embiid was getting a bunch of open looks. I don't know if you felt that way too, especially in the first half. I was on most of his shots are Uncontested. So NBA Stats has this cool thing where you can go in, you can look at what percentage of each shot came with the the location of a defender. How close was a defender to the shot? Um, 62.9% of Embiid shots came with a defender four feet or more away. That qualifies as wide as open or wide open. So I'm like, man, 62.9%, bro, that's a lot, you know. That means six out of every 10 shots he took were, were open or wide open. Hmm. So then I went and did the math. And like this is in an article to my, if people want to read it. But Embiid has got a 57.4 true, true shooting percentage. True shooting takes into account your three-point shots, your free throws, and your field goal attempts, like your two-point attempts. League average is 55.5%, so slightly above league average. If he took 27 shots and 62% were open, that's going to give you roughly 16 shots that were open. You round it down to say, all right, then say he made nine of them going on the 62% conversion rate, right? Uh, Going on his 57.4 true shooting percentage, say he made nine of the 16. So he's got 18 points minimum, because we don't know if these were threes or twos, a minimum of 18 buckets when he, he barely had a hand in his face. Now, the number one rule of defense is make the shooter feel your presence. So I think, and then that kind of took me down this rabbit hole of, well, was this scheme? Or was this just the fact that Embiid is so good that he was just taking advantage of whenever he was in space? And as I've kind of gone through the day and I've looked at these stats, I've watched every possession Embiid had on offense three times today because I've just been drilling and drilling and drilling. Mm -hmm. I've come to the realization that, That's not on the Celtics as much as it is on Embiid. Embiid was hitting step-backs. That space creation off a step-back will get you a wide-open shot or what's classified as an open shot on statistical terms. doesn't look open. You've generated that space on your shooting form. Guess what? You're open. When you're asking your fourth-tier centre in freedom to guard one of the top three, top four big men in the league, He's gonna get open looks. He's gonna find ways to manipulate you because you're a fourth tier center. I don't care that you're NS Freedom. You've been in the league, God knows how long. You're not getting minutes if our Horford, Robert Williams, and Grant Williams are healthy. You're not playing tonight. Like that, you're on the bench somewhere. So when you look at it from that aspect, and then see that they that like you know the Sixers managed to squeak out the game, I'm cool with that, man. I think they did. A, I think they did their best they could with the pieces they had at slowing down one of the better big men in the league.
1: Yeah, and when you have Embiid, who's, I mean, his biggest thing is his physicality, right? If he puts his shoulder into your chest, guarding in the post, like that is the main concern you have if you're Enos Freedom, is Joel Embiid's right shoulder or left shoulder just hitting me square in the chest. So if he catches the ball in the mid to high post, he turns and faces and he goes left hand dribble, and then he hesitates in the air, right? You're bracing for him to drive right into your chest. Right so that is the first point point of defense that you have to take cuz you need that leverage to take that hit cuz if you don't have that leverage you'll you'll see what happened 3 or 4 times in the game Canner just went flying to the baseline right he needs to be super strong to absorb that blow so then if Embiid can hang and then he can either step back off of it or pull up into it, which is like the Kevin Durant. That's what Kevin Durant does in like every single possession. It's impossible to guard. That's why I'm calling it his MVP shot, right? If he can hit that shot consistently, Joel Embiid is impossible to guard. And you, even though he's shooting 41% from the mid range, like you kind of live with that 41% because the other option is whatever he's going to be directly at the rim going through your chest, you know, and he's also like a 80% free throw shooter, whatever he is at the line it's just he's just really hard to guard when you have as you said your fourth tier center and you're not going al horford and you're not going uh the the two big double which is what they did last time right they sent horford and williams at him to double him and get the bottom of his hands and make those passing angles hard you don't have those guys in that game last night so you, i mean you, you make the best with what you got and um the the bigger issue to me is Last night was the fact that Matisse Diebel really gave Jason Tatum problems. He fits, and bro. oh my God, dude. He, he, bro. He, and I thought Tatum did a really good job making plays for people. Tatum passed the ball uh, 51 passes last night, resulting in 15 shot attempts for Celtics players. So I thought he did a really good job trying to distribute the ball. Um, but Tybalt was all up in him the whole game. And to the point where Tatum didn't really have a rhythm, JB was the guy that had the best rhythm, even though I thought he still had to work hard for his points last night. So down the stretch, you know, we're up seven with four minutes left and we don't really get the ball for Tatum for good shot opportunities. And Tatum needs to be the guy to take us home. I think Scal, you know, Scal's kind of been hammering this point home on the broadcast lately. He's just like, we need the ball in Tatum's hands more. Like, for all the talk of Tatum not being a willing passer or whatever, he he's he's done with that. Tatum is passing the ball. He's making the right reads. Just put the rock in his hands and let him go to work. Um, there I think he deferred a little bit too much because maybe Tybal was in his head. Maybe the the threat of Embiid at the rim with Canner being in the game, he, Embiid just being able to sit back and drop. I mean, it, it was tough for Tatum. It was really tough sledding. Um, but that's where I think we lost the game is on the, more on the offensive end because Embiid is going to get his shots against against Cantor.
0: Yeah, and I think that when you're coming into this game, you know that, like, the first thing I thought when I saw the lineups, because I, I was awake for when the lineups were announced, I was like, Embiid's going for 35 or more because you know that's going to happen. You're being, like, that was just, it was so predictable that you, the, the odds on it must have been so poor because, like, Vegas knew that was going to Everyone knew that was going to happen. Tybalt, Locking down Tatum was something that you know it's a possibility. Matisse Toebel is a, is a phenomenal on-ball defender. That's one of the reasons why the Sixers love him. But Tatum's Tatum, and, and throughout the game, I was like, "Yo, Toebel's got him on lock right now. He's got he's got him in, he's got him padlocked down." But at the same time, I always feel like Tatum's got a, a, another gear he can find where he'll manipulate you to create enough space to get working. It just didn't happen. I think you hit a good point as well. canter being in the game and bead down by the rim. There's, there's just no space in there at that point. There's no driving lanes available. And we can go into the, oh, well, you need to throw some cross screens in there and get some more off-ball action. That's all well and good, but the Sixers have a lot of length. Tobias Harris has length. Toyball has length. Embiid, again, seven-footer. Like, it's, it's very easy to create passing lanes. It's very hard to keep threading the needle over and over and over again. So I think that, you know, what we saw from Boston was um, a very ground-out offense. But, like, um, and I, I've very begun this at the moment. The one thing we've asked from this team recently is that they show heart and that they fight, you know? We want to see this team really fight for the shirt, that like the, the jersey and the Celtics pride and that. Missing some of your, like, core key rotation pieces, getting lit up by, um, by Embiid, having Tobias Harris get hot early, you still only lose the game by five and you lose the game in the last like minute minute and a half of the, of the final quarter. Those guys fought to the end, no matter what was put in front of them. Man. And I think that itself, if they could keep that mentality and not waver, then you, you've got to be happy with what you've seen from them. Because it, like it or not, they were shorthanded. And I know a lot of teams around the league are shorthanded. But you look at Miami, who have been without Damad the they've been without Jimmy Butler for the last few games. They've won more than they've lost, the Grizzlies. Winning more than they lose without Ja Moran. It's all about having that mentality of, hey, we've just got to fight that extra 10% harder than Walt, until this guy gets back. And uh it just sucks that for for the Celtics, especially, it's taken it's always when they're down a guy or down two guys that we see that fight. And when they're at full strength, that seem they seem to get a little bit too um, too complacent or too confident in what they're capable of.
1: For sure, And I think the guy that really set the tone with that was Marcus Smart. You know, he was flying around the court all all night. Um, I love when Smart plays like that. You know what I really like about Smart right now? This is this is kind of stupid, but his hair is long, so when he's going full speed, you can kind of see his ha- his hair like flying back. It, it, it's just kind of a cool look. Kind of looks like Sonic the Hedgehog or something.
0: Reminds like me of NBA Street on the PlayStation. Do you remember the one guy with the big afro on NBA yeah. Street? And you played <laughs> yeah. him in the hair would wave and, and yeah, Smart. And I love um. Like Talking of NBA Street as well, we got an NBA Street moment with that JB to Smart Love. Smart finished off that Love play. I, I like that. That was nice. A little bit different. Obviously, it wasn't by design. It was on the fast break. Very yeah. NBA Street-esque. Though.
1: For sure. For sure. And one, one point with that. At the, in, the, in the broadcast, at that point, Brian Scalabrini says, Boston's three superstars getting involved on that play. Ugh, Scal, come on, guy. Like, Smart is not a superstar. He's, he, he's a star in his role. You call him a superstar in his role, whatever you want to call him. But let's, let's, let's just chill with that, man. Marcus Smart's not a superstar. But he was awesome. Marcus Smart was great. He was one of the most impactful players on the court. He was doing everything you want Marcus Smart to do. But let's just chill with that, man. Let's, let's yeah, not try to push that.
0: Yeah, let's, let's just be honest where we can. You know what I mean? Like, there's enough hyperbole around sports as it is. We don't need to be going out calling everybody a superstar. Yeah, like for sure. Don't get me wrong, Marcus Smart's been. This to me is one of the better years of Marcus oh, Smart's yeah. career. I've loved him yeah. all year. Yeah, I think he's uh he's really like um become far more judicial with his shot selection, um become far more locked in as a playmaker, and then his defense. I wouldn't say it's his best defensive year, but he's definitely uh ridiculously active with his hands with passing lanes. He's really messing up offensive rotations and stuff like sorry, like when he's defending he's messing up the offensive rotations of the other team Uh, if i remember correctly i think he's leading the league or joint top of the league in steals right now so uh, you know
1: there's a stat on the broadcast last night in the last 10 games he's had 17 steals which is a pretty good number right there um yeah but he i mean he's been killing it and then when you add when you add to that peyton pritchard i think i feel like we should talk about peyton pritchard a little bit here Um that's two games in a row for fast PP coming in and making a difference. And your hope, you know, you I know you are not a Dennis Schroeder guy. Um I don't mind Dennis Schroeder on the court. (laughs) I I don't mind Dennis Schroeder on the court, but considering he's probably not gonna be in long term plans, um, I think you gotta sell high on that and move him as soon as you can and let Pritchard do his thing. Um, I I just love what Pritchard's done the last couple games. He looks a lot more confident. He's he's doing more Pritchard's like stuff that we saw at the beginning of the year last year before he hurt his knee, where he was just like a winning player. He was doing all like remember that Sacramento game where he had that ridiculous play at the end of the game. Um, follow he had the uh, offensive rebound put back where he was on the court, right? That was such a such a good play, and he made plays like that all the time. Um, very like Tyrese halliburton where he was just like always in the right place at the right time. And for whatever reason, he hasn't had that same impact even after that knee injury last year and the beginning of this year. But last night, he stripped and bead. He was, you know, he was causing problems on the defensive end. I think he had two steals last night. I haven't checked the box score, but my eye test said he had two steals. And then he was just making plays, man. For he, he's, he's strong with that handle. He stretches the floor out to 30 feet. Um, I just want to see a little bit more of him on the court. Um, what are your thoughts on P right now?
0: First of all, you wrote two steals. I test was spot on. Good stuff. I just pulled up the uh, the the, the, the bot score. Um, I think the first thing for me is like, uh, did you see that Brian Rubb piece earlier today for Mass Live? I ha- I haven't read any articles no. today yet. Okay, that's fair. Um, I only saw it like passing through socials and stuff. Um, so basically, Brian Rubb is saying that Peyton Pritchard re emerging off the bench has made Dennis Schroeder a viable trade chip for the Celtics. Absolutely,
1: I agree.
0: Um, I completely agree. Obviously, anybody that listens to this show regularly know I'm not Dennis Schroeder's number one fan. Um, I don't think he's awful. Don't get me wrong. For the contract value he's got, I think he's a super impactful player. That's probably the best bargain contract in the league. I'm not going to insult the guy when he doesn't deserve it. But... Pritchard needs these minutes. He's showing that he can play. He's showing that he's found his shooting form again. At the end of the day, Schroeder's here for six months maximum at this point. He's looking more and more likely that Celtics won't find a way to keep him. Why would you limit a guard that's in his second year that has shown growth? Like, you know, Pritchard last year couldn't shoot after dribble. He's showing more after dribble this year. he's (laughs) He's showing that he can continue impacting games. Um so I think that you know you give Pritchard those minutes. I think Pritchard's proven he can earn them. One of the things he said during the um during the broadcast, not the broadcast, the press conferences yesterday was like, hey, it's a lot easier shooting without this mask, that's for sure. And I genuinely believe that Pritchard going through those games with the mask on, missing the shots that he missed, really threw him out of rhythm, hit his confidence, and he's had to work and build that back up. Um, and I genuinely believe that that mask is the reason for the slow start. And then you have that re- that weird readjustment phase, right? Where you've probably just got used to playing with the mask on. So your breathing's changed. Your line of sight's different now because the mask has messed it all up. Then it comes off and now you've got to readjust back to not having the mask. So it took him a while, man, but I think he's there. I think that um, Pritchard to me is far more beneficial to the rotation. You know, the spacing he gives you, he, he doesn't need the ball as much as what Schroeder does, so there's a lower usage that puts the ball, back to your point, puts the ball back in Tatum's hands, back in Jalen Brown's hands. And I just think that, you know, Dennis Schroeder, for all the good he does, he hinders you just as much. Uh, I don't think Peyton Pritchard hinders you as much, you know, if you and I've said this before, if you can get to a conference finals with Isaiah Thomas as your starting five, hiding him on defense... If teams can do that with Kemba Walker, you can do that for ten to fifteen minutes with Peyton Pritchard. Do you want to push it to mm-hmm. eighteen? Fine, you can hide Peyton Pritchard quite easily, and he's fiery, dude. He'll get up on, he'll get up on oh, you. Yeah. He'll fight. It's not like he's, uh, it's not like he's willing to be hidden. He will fight if you put him on a guy. So uh, I, I'm all for moving Pritchard to the, uh, to the second unit, and then moving Schroeder to a, in case of emergency. Break glass for Speedy Gonzalez.
1: Yeah, but you also have to keep uh, Schroeder on the court, you know, for that trade value and for him to continue to show teams. So, you know, hopefully Emei just figures out a way to play them both for the time being um, and just get more minutes for him. It's just going to be tough, man, you know, with when if everyone's ever healthy, it's going to be tough. But, you know, with with COVID right now there's going to be minutes there's going to be minutes available um another guy that is starting to get minutes now is Neesmith. smith um i was a little disappointed i think his final number was like 12 minutes last night coming Mm -hmm. off of that start where you know he had seven rebounds on that start didn't make any shots but i thought he was impactful did you write an article about that
0: no i wrote an article about him against the knicks
1: but yeah yeah against the knicks oh yeah um and so last night when he only gets 12 minutes off the bench um It it stunk because he hit that floater where they had that ridiculous charge call on him, where Seth Curry like barely even felt his body and just collapsed to the ground. And then they called the charge. We hit that floater. And then he had a three pointer on the next possession. And this might sound stupid, but like even though he made the floater, if that shot goes in and like he doesn't get the offensive foul call, I feel like that next three pointer goes in. Right? Don't you just don't you just feel like Neesmith's one of those guys that if he hits a shot, like the next one is much more likely to go in than if he just like yeah Nis is
0: a, like he he a streaky. Neesmith's what you like a streaky shooter. Like he'll get them in bunches. He'll get like a, a quick nine or a quick eight. Yeah, yeah. And then you won't hear from him for the next three quarters. Then he might pop up with another six. So his mm-hmm. end of stat line looks good. But um, and I wrote this. I wrote this after the next game. He's for me. He's following the Romeo Langford development path. Just earn mm-hmm. minutes with defence. Make like Take your shots when they come to you, if they're a good shot in the flow of the offence. And every other time, look to feed it to one of the uh, more prominent members of the rotation. And Udoka will give you minutes, man. That's what he's doing for Langford right now. Um, I'm part of the group that's calling for Langford to start being a little bit more assertive because I feel like that the time for him being passive has come and gone. I think that his rotation spots kind of Cemented now and um I want your opinion on this actually. I've got Langford as the second best perimeter defender on the team behind Marcus Smart. Would you would you argue then? I'd
1: say uh, that's that's tough, man. There are some good defenders on the team. I really like Tatum. Um, I think Tatum's okay. perimeter defense, especially against bigger wings. Man, he he gives people fits. Um there, you know, there are a couple times where he'll get a little bit lazy. Um, he'll struggle against like really strong, like if he has to guard up too much, like when he guarded Julius Randall and Randall just put his shoulder by him and just like yeah. held his line and Tatum couldn't do anything with him because Randall, I mean, not many people can guard Julius Randall, but there aren't many guys that can take advantage of Jason Tatum one through three. You know, I think Tatum can lock down most people one through three. He's great at lock and trail and contesting late on on pull-up jumpers. Um, he moves his feet really well. At the point of the attack, they, they put that little uh, one-two-two two trap in, like half-court trap that they did, a three-quarter-court trap, and I thought he moved his feet well, forcing people towards the sideline for the trap. So, Romeo, like, I think it goes – I might even say Tatum's the best perimeter defender on the team just because of his length and versatility. Smart, like he obviously smart's great. Um, but I think Tatum's potential as a perimeter defender is the highest. I don't know if he's reached it quite reached that yet. That's
0: there. No, I'd agree there.
1: Yeah. And then Romeo, I think it's between if you're talking pure on ball defense, it's between him and JB, because JB can when JB wants to move his feet and, and gets like like last night, Tobias Harris, um, I, I think tried to get by him a couple times, and then JB was like, "Nah, dude. Like, I'm gonna move my feet on this one. I'm gonna take your shoulder into the chest and knock the ball out of bounds." Then he like JB does his thing, starts like clapping in people's face. I really like. Um, so I like Romeo. I think you could make the argument that he's the second best defender, but I got him fourth. I think that what the Jays bring on the perimeter when they're locked in is is a little bit above what he can bring. But I love okay. him. I, I think Romeo is a great defender.
0: So with Jalen, I think that Jalen's best um attribute as a defender at the moment is as an off ball defender. I think his length and uh, being able to deny passing lanes just really works well. Um there was a time when I used to think that Tatum was a better off ball defender and Brown was a better run ball defender, but I feel like those roles have switched a little bit now. Um as long as so JB could,
1: doesn't get caught ball watching and he's good off ball.
0: Yeah, but like if we're in agreement that your top 4 perimeter defenders are smart Tatum uh, Langford and Brand. No matter what order you want to put them in, that I'm fine with that. The only reason I like uh, Romeo as a primitive defender because he's got this like crazy second jump where if he bites, if he bites mm. on a pump fake, he can land and just bounce back into a driving lane, like literally in one step, and he's there. And I think yeah. that um, that recovery, the the ability to recover so quickly and cover so much ground, is uh, is very important for a perimeter defender, especially if like um you know say he goes under on a screen and the guy pulls up. Romeo has just got that bounce on him to be able to Especially really get things off the screen. Yeah, and then he can just yeah. bounce, right? So mm-hmm. I think that that's... Um, and again, it's just different skill sets, different physical attributes. Um, So I'm happy to go one through four with those guys. It's just and something it's, like I've been toying I with. mean, Josh Richardson as well, man. Josh Richardson's pretty good. Yeah, Josh Richardson's a dog, dude. I, I, Josh Richardson is a guy that if the Celtics... If he played like this this year and then they keep him and he plays like it again next year and then they gave him another deal, I would not be upset. But know, obviously, right? it, it's too soon to say that long term yet. Yeah, we still need to see more. But I think he's been great. He's a he's an ideal bench piece for a team that's contending. He's the sort you need more players along the lines of Richardson because what he gives you off the bench in terms of defense, in terms of ball handling, in terms of offense. If you've got three, three or four guys like that off the bench, then you can become a contending team. I know everybody's like, oh, you need, but. You, The starting unit needs an upgrade. For me, it's always the last eighteen months. It's the bench unit that's the problem. He's twenty eight, man. Yeah, exactly. So, but by the time you renew him, he's going to be bordering on Mm thirty.
1: You know, I mean, then you can make the argument he's either like in his prime with with his his skill set i don't know how he's gonna look in his 30s but i mean i'm i'm 32 yeah i'm 32 <laughs> i'm 32 right now man like i still feel pretty good and i don't even like stay in shape that much so i'm, yeah, sure, I'm, I'm 34
0: gonna i'm on. like i haven't done any exercise since the first covid really you know, <laughs> I, you know what I mean and it's only been the last three months where i'm like yeah i need to do some exercise bro like you our bodies are still young man and i'm like Yeah, I'm going to go to gym. I'm going to struggle for about two, three months. I'm going to be fine again because I'm at an age Mm -hmm. where I can still get back to uh, a respectable physical kind of level. But once you hit that 36, 37 mark, it's going downhill. It's going downhill fast, man. I can feel it. It's it's calling me, man. As Will will have felt it too. It's just—it's on our shoulders slowly. You've got to stretch
1: more, man. That's what it's all about. Just like stop, stop lifting those heavy weights and start getting more flexible. The Tom Brady method: TB12, avocados injected directly into your veins, and just a whole bunch (laughs) of yoga.
0: (laughs) Just give me California into my veins. That's all (laughs) I think of with avocados. Just give me more California. It'll be fine. I'll be fine. Um. Jokes (laughs) Jokes aside, <laughs> yoga man, yoga, yoga's the way forwards, man. Uh jokes aside, I'm mean, maybe we should ask Al Horford actually what he's doing, because he's looking quite sponsored. Right, I A, know. a guy That's our like age. When I feel like when I'm looking, so we've looked at like, you know, we've looked at the Knicks game a little bit, we've looked at the the um the Sixers game a little bit. Next up is Cleveland. How are you feeling about that game? Because Cleveland aren't a joke this year, man. Darius Garland's really good. Evan Mobley's exactly what was advertised. I, I, you know, I, don't so
1: tell- I know, I know they're, everyone's dealing with their own COVID situation. Do you know who's out for them? Because that would change my opinion
0: drastically. <laughs> so I can pull up an injury report and see if, we know, see if they've put anything up, but they might not have. Let me pull up the, injury, the NBA injury report.
1: On the broadcast last night, they didn't say that any of those three, um, Allen, Mobley, or Garland would be out.
0: No, so, so- the, I'm looking at the injury report as of 5.30 p.m. Eastern today um Mm -hmm. the Celtics have submitted an injury report for tomorrow but the Cavs haven't yet but from what I'm like um the last time I looked at this injury report for the Cavs was only a few days ago because I was doing something for a different outlet and um Mobley and Garland were both fine Sexton's been out for a while so I don't think you're gonna see he's out for the year but um for Boston so far You've got no Hauser. He's in health and safety protocols. Obviously, that's a big thing because now two-way players can play in every regular season game. The NBA mm-hmm. lifted that restriction. Quancho's out. Horford's out. Parker's out. Richardson's out. Um, Broderick Thomas is out. Grant Williams is out. Interestingly enough, Robert Williams' name is not currently on the injury mm-hmm. report. Yeah, he had asked,
1: he was he was out for a personal reason last night. Yeah. You, know, you never know what that is, man um so hopefully i if if he's not on there
0: yeah that could change i mean we're still like what more than 24 hours out at the time of recording but Mm -hmm. um i'd assume we're gonna see mobley and garland playing this and most likely marking as well
1: yeah so with with that i mean i think if as long as we have robert williams available then i'm not too concerned about like us not being able to compete i just think the Cavs are really good man like yeah. I haven't watched a ton of them. I watched both games against the Celtics and I've watched like bits and pieces of other games just because everyone's talking about how great Mobley is. So I just want to see more of him so I can appreciate what he does because his box score numbers don't like jump off the page and be like, oh, this dude is the most dominant guy since Tim Duncan. Um, you know, his advanced numbers are great, but the, the traditional box numbers, if you just look at those, you're not going to see Mobley with like 2020s or anything like that. It's always like 16 and nine with like a couple blocks or something, you know? Um, so I want to be able to see what, what the Celtics are able to do against Mobley, what Jason Tatum can do against Mobley. Remember the last time we played them, Mobley took the challenge of guarding Tatum in crunch time. You know, like, will he do that again? The last time we played him, that was his role. He won it. And I think the, the game we beat them, Mobley got hurt, right? Mobley hurt his elbow and missed. Yeah, the Mobley
0: was at, yeah.
1: So, like, uh, I don't, I, it's going to be tough, man. That's the, pretty much the only reason we beat them the first game is because he went down, because that dude is really dominant. Um, and I, I just love that 3-7-footer front line that they got with Markin and Mobley and Allen. I was a big ja- Jared Allen guy. He's a UT guy, so all the listeners out there know that Will and I both live in Texas. So we've seen Jared Allen up close and personal. Dude's a beast. Um, another guy, great fro, great fro. Uh, just, I, I love a dude with a good fro, man. It's just such a throwback, that NBA, NBA street vibe. But I, yeah, I, I think Garland is a guy that I didn't really believe in until this year when I saw him play against the Celtics. I was like, oh, okay, this is why he was like the number four pick or whatever he was in the draft. This is why he was so highly touted. That dude is good, man. He kind of reminds me of like young, young Kyrie Irving, just the way he moves. And, you know, he's on the Cavs as well.
0: Yeah, okay, I can see that. So I've got some I've got some info here on the Cavs that I've kind of just pulled together. And I'll agree. I think Garland is, um, for me, Garland's one of the better young um, guards in the league. I I remember seeing Kendrick Perkins on uh, NBC somewhere saying that he believes Garland should be like an all-star reserve this year for what he's done for that team. I think Garland is exceptional. I really like Colin Sexton as well, so I'm sad that he won't be playing. I think he gets a bit of a raw deal uh, with everyone like, oh, he needs the ball in his hands to be effective, blah, blah, blah. Well, yeah, he has done, but, you know, Darius Garland was still a young guard that was developing and blah, blah, blah. But hey, so we're looking at the Cavs here. Yeah? This last season, to end last season, the Cavs were 25th in defensive rating. So they were one of the worst, one of the bottom five teams in the league for defense. This season, they extended Jarrett Allen to a five-year, $100 million deal, bought in Larry Mark, and it had been a defensive turnstall for Chicago, who weren't good at all. Um, and then that was pretty much, it. you know, they extended Denzel Valentine, or they brought in Denzel Valentine, so excuse me. Yeah, Rubio. And Rubio, yeah, Rubio's a, a, big, big, a big defender, big man. Yeah, but that the, those few, like you know, so a couple of guys got extended, a couple of guys got bought in, and all of a sudden they're second in the league for defensive rating. That the, the number one difference from last year to this, other than Rubio, is Evan Mobley.
1: Yeah,
0: like that's how much of an impact Mobley has made on the defensive end for this team. Obviously, it helps that you know sometimes they're running lineups with three absolute giants out there in Mobley, Marking and then, and Acuna is a good defender, and I, I love Isaac Acuna. But if you throw out there, do you imagine you've got you've got Mark, you've got three seven footers. Two of them can handle the rock and shoot freeze. How do, how do you deal with that? Do you know? I, I, mean? I, I, like- I don't
1: know. Yeah, I mean, there's a reason why they're what six games over 500 right now, seven games over 500. Um, yeah, I'm pretty they're sure they're really like 19, 19 and 12, something like that. Last time I checked, um, they're they're legit, man. And I didn't I didn't necessarily believe it earlier in the year, but I, as much as I do like Sexton, I don't think he makes sense on that roster. I think when you see Rubio on the court playing with Garland because Rubio's yeah. like six four six five like he's bigger than you think he is and he's he's just a great wing defender. So that allows Garland you know to guard the point guard and Rubio can guard up and guard the two. Um, and I think when you play Garland and Sexton together, neither of them can really guard twos that well, cause they're both undersized. So allowing Rubio on the court, having a Coro on the court where Garland can just guard point guards, um, I think, I think makes a big difference. And then when you ask a Coro and Garland, like, oh, Hey, just like pressure the ball. Cause if you get beat, like no one is scoring at the rim. Don't worry about it. Jared Allen's blocking that. Evan Mobley's blocking that. Like Laurie Markinen's big. I don't know. I don't know if Markinend ended <laughs> been playing good defense this year, but he's seven feet tall. You know, yeah. I mean, so and they get yeah. They got seven six Taco, seven two Cornet. Is what, what's up with Cornet right now? Is he not yeah. in the G League anymore?
0: No, he got signed as a ten day hardship exception.
1: Uh, oh, I missed that. I missed that.
0: Dang. Um, so that's so a big team. Th- it's a big team, and like when I'm looking at the Celtics, I'm like one of the biggest issues for Boston right now. Is some of their biggest guys are out, some of their strongest guys are out. Mm-hmm. So you know you're gonna really. I think we will see a lot of freedom minutes again, simply because you need that big strong body protecting the paint, and freedom can give you that, um, especially. But I think like Jarrett Allen is just gonna have his way because of the athleticism difference. If Robert Williams is available, that's gonna be great. But we again, you're oh my god, you, we need him. You're going one big man at a time versus three, and two of their big men can shoot threes. So um it, it's gonna be tough, man. I'm really looking forward to that game. I think it's gonna I'm really excited to see like um how we do, schemes around this. I feel like it's gonna be yeah. going small might be your best bet against the Cavs. <laughs> Just to add Yeah, man. I, I don't you know, I don't man. know.
1: Like it it might I mean it's probably the only thing we're gonna be able to do. Um yeah. I I think Williams, Tatum, Brown, Smart, like it's Richardson probably won't he won't be back. So I get I would start either Neesmith Smith or Langford instead of Schroeder. I, I think going small with Schroeder and Smart in the backcourt is probably a lot to ask. Yeah. Um. So I I would hope that Ime doesn't just stick to this when when there's an open starting spot. Schroeder's in the starting lineup. Um. Hopefully he realizes we need a little bit more athleticism on the court to def, to match up with them because that's, that's a problem, I mean. dude. Like, <laughs> like I'm trying to think like if I were a coach, what would I do? And I definitely wouldn't have a smart Schroeder backcourt because Schroeder's just, if he beats anybody off the dribble, that's not going to make a difference. Honestly, would you go smart
0: Pritchard? Because you might not have the size, but the space in it that gives you, it's going to be, because my outlook on it is you're going to really struggle to be consistently effective around the rim, right? So what you need to do is you need to put as much, as many shooters and as much spacing on the floor to create driving lanes for high quality looks around the rim but also to give you passing outlets when you do drive. You for, Don't forget, these guys might be tall, but a lot of them are inexperienced. Okoro's still young. Garland's still young. is in his first year in the league. Mm-hmm. So you need to exploit that youth and that eagerness to yeah. impress. You know, I, I, mean? would, I would say
1: I would definitely a shooter. So I would either go Neesmith or Pritchard, but I think we need size, so I would go Neesmith.
0: Yeah, I can see that. I can see that size is going to be a factor, but I do—I genuinely think that shooting and um, athleticism, and predominantly speed, I think are going to be the things that you are really going to have to work on. You're going to have to break these guys down off the dribble. The problem is, you break one of them down, and you've got another two giants coming at you, so it's going oh, to be no. tough, man. A lot of backdoor work is going to have to happen, a lot of cuts off the corners. I think this could be a game where Romeo excels, but um, curling in off those corners, we saw Neesmith do it a little bit as well. So seeing Neesmith do that too. Yeah, I'm excited, man. I actually, I'm genuinely looking forward to this game. <laughs> well, there are other games you don't look forward to. Just some games where I'm just like, man, all right, whatever. It's on the schedule. You know what I mean? I but feel like but... this month's been pretty good,
1: though, man. Like yeah, all the this games this month, good, for... yeah. I've been looking forward to every game. But yeah, matchups but it...
0: make matchups make contests, right? And sometimes right, yeah. I I really like it I when there's the fights. Like, yeah, I love it when there's a big start contrasting, like um. Uh, in player personnel and coaching styles and stuff, when it's really like opposites going at each other head to head, like this game will be, those are the ones I get really geared up for. I'm like, yes, I want to see, because it's all thinking at that point. I'm like, I want to see, dude, show me, show me. So this is definitely one of those guys. Why did we so? He's, he's a 10 day hardship exception. So when players are, with the amount of players that are missing from the Celtics, you need bodies simply to have a roster that can make the eight man minimum limit. So you bring CJ Miles in, it doesn't affect the cap. He gets 10 days with the team. At the end of those 10 days, he goes back to being a free agent. And hopefully some of the Celtics are back from um, health and safety protocols. So I'm not expecting him to play. The main guys, a lot of them were um, already free agents. So, you know, they're going to go where they feel like they've got the best chance of playing basketball. Uh, They probably don't feel that way with Boston. So while they were with the the main Celtics, they weren't technically contracted there because a lot of these guys are former NBA guys on free agent contracts that were just biding their time in the G League.
1: And for those of you listening on the podcast, um, somebody commented.
0: I do apologize. I do apologize. You're probably just like,
1: wait, what What happened there? Yeah, uh, I yeah, so apologize. Our guy Al Tereo commented, why did we sign miles? What's he bring? Um, I can imagine if you're listening. Yeah, apologize, I apologize, like, apologize so happened? much. Like, is yeah. something to skip
0: forward? <laughs> <laughs> I apologize so much, everybody. Uh, I That's think so we'll good. leave it there because obviously that brain fart is a good way to end the episode. <laughs> If you've enjoyed this show, except for the last minute and a half where I just decided to free Will without giving you any context whatsoever, please forgive me. If you've enjoyed this show, please scroll down on your Apple app, five nice, five stars. Hit those five stars so it all lights up and then leave some real nice, wrote wrote down some nice, nice little message for me, for Greg, for Will. Ideally nice to all three of us, you know. We don't want one of us feeling left out. Uh, if you don't use an Apple device, and you're watching on facebook right now then head over to your podcast app, aggregation software i assume and type in celtics blog you will find us there but if you're listening on a mobile device or you're listening at home on a smart device or on a computer my boy greg's gonna let you know exactly what you need to do to help this show keep moving forward
1: the best way to help us out is just uh spread the good word word of mouth and it's holiday season right we are four days away from christmas three if you're listening on the pod so I'm sure you're going to be around people for the holidays. So if you're stuck in a conversation with somebody and you really just want to like get out of it, you can just be like, hey, have you uh, listened to the Celtics pod? Because if you haven't, you should listen. Right. Do you want to go listen right now? <laughs> And then, you know, that like drunk uncle that's there, like maybe you actually get him to listen to a podcast with you. You know, if it's not a way to get out of a conversation, maybe it's a way to develop a relationship with a relative that you didn't know you had anything in common with. Just bring up the Celtics pod over the holidays and see what happens. Maybe, maybe you're gonna find um like you, you didn't get them a good gift for Christmas. Like maybe you just completely forgot. So maybe this is something that you can do is just say, Hey, I didn't get you a gift for Christmas, but here open up Celtics pod, open up the Celtics blog podcast. And this is my gift
0: to you. I mean, I'm still waiting for somebody to tweet at us like, Hey, I met this girl. She was wearing a Celtics Jersey. I showed her this podcast and now we're engaged. Like I'm waiting for that day. Like, so we know that we've brought someone together. We did a good That'd thing. Be amazing. Right. I'd love It's never going to happen, but I'd <laughs> like it to everybody. Um, you are going to hear off us once more and it will be on the Christmas Eve show. So we will give you a Christmas Eve episode. And then it will be Christmas, evidently, because the day after Christmas Eve is Christmas. Um, I hope everybody stays safe until then. Hopefully the Celtics can beat the Cavs. It's going to be a fun game. It's going to be a tough game. I want to be excited, as you could tell, because I started jumping from comment to comment. Greg looks excited right here. Everybody stay safe, and we'll catch you all in uh, about 48 hours. Peace. I disrespecting you hate is I ain't sweating your opinion.
1: Y'all my patience. Never did it for a check. I've been impressed with the fame.